Hello, listener, and welcome to this preview of our latest Patreon-exclusive episode. To continue the conversation and listen to the full episode, head over to the Beyond the Screenplay Patreon. The link is in the show notes. Hi, I'm Michael. Welcome to Beyond the Screenplay, the podcast where each episode we do a conversational deep dive analysis into a film. Today, in our penultimate episode of our summer season, Summer Impossible, we are talking about Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1, written by Christopher McQuarrie and Eric Genderson, directed by Christopher McQuarrie. I'm joined by the Beyond the Screenplay team, Trisha Rand. Are are you? <laughs> Uh, can hello, can you trust anything? <laughs> line, uh, Brian Bittner. Hello, hello. And Alex Cayeros. Hi. The entity that's messing with us. Oh, boy. Yeah. The entity. <laughs> We've got two mentions so far. Everybody take a break. We're, we're off. Yeah. Yeah. We're off to a good go. start here, everybody. Uh, before we dive in further to this movie, uh, reminder that next week is our big finale for the summer season, and the winner of the vote between Barbie and Oppenheimer is Barbie with 53% of the vote. Ooh. So next week, we will be back talking about Barbie. I know nothing about this movie. I'm <laughs> so fascinated. Very excited to, uh, yeah, to do that. But we also want to talk about Oppenheimer, obviously. So we'll be doing an extra long Patreon film club for our top tier patrons where we're going to talk about Oppenheimer with them. And we'll talk about Barbie. We'll do a little bit of Barbie versus Oppenheimer. Uh, so that's that's going to be fun. Barbenheimer is Bar the proper Barbenheimer. name. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Good work, Internet. OK. <laughs> uh, OK, so we're here. So we're going to talk about Dead Reckoning Part One. So there was a lot of hype internally for me for this movie. I was very excited. I watched the first trailer too many times, many, many times. Uh, and I usually don't watch trailers at all, but just I thought it was teasery enough. And it was just so cool that I was like, I'm going to give myself this one trailer. And I think it was mostly fine, but it was that thing where when I was watching the movie, occasionally characters would like turn and then enter a part of the frame. And then like my brain would snap them into like, oh, that's the shot from the trailer. They're doing that thing. So it was a little bit distracting for me. So many thoughts, so many things to talk about in this movie. Very curious to hear your thoughts. Out of the gate, we get a submarine movie for Trisha, mm -hmm. which is great. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I wanted to see was Dutch angles, kind of a return to the original Mission Impossible style. So it's your fault? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> we got plenty of Dutch angles in this movie. It feels very much in the Fallout vein, uh, but a bit more Mission Impossible-y, I think, than Fallout. So I want to talk about that. And then also, you know, the as we've been tracking across this franchise, Ethan Hunt, and who is he? We're still learning things about Ethan Hunt. There are still things to learn about Ethan Hunt, I think, because we get some flashbacksy glimpses to things we didn't know ever happened, and they're not really ever clearly explained. Um, I'm thinking maybe in part two, we'll find out more. Uh, we're learning more about the IMF. I guess they were all criminals at one point, and then they were given a choice to join. <laughs> like, including Benji? <laughs> right, which doesn't really make any... So we can talk about that. Uh, so just a lot of things happened in this movie 
And overall, my experience was I had a blast, especially in the first half of this movie. Toward the second half, it fumbled a little bit, but for the most part, I enjoyed myself start to finish with a couple notable bumps that didn't throw me off of the bucking bronco of metaphor. But but the more I've thought about have made me be like, ah, that was a choice. So I'm excited to hear from you guys uh, and see if some of those things uh, overlap with you and then we can dive into it more. Brian, tell me about Dead Reckoning, part one. Okay. Um, <laughs> what a mixed bag. Like it was <laughs> like... I, I liked when it was being funny on purpose and I hated when it was being funny, not on purpose <laughs> as 2023 summer blockbusters about people fighting on a train when they're trying to get two halves of the, a thing. Like it's one of the better ones um, <laughs> be, between speed, Indiana Jones, mission impossible one. And this mission about like how many fights on tops of trains have we had? Like, um, yeah. But yeah, the first act, I, it was incredible. It was just like everything I wanted. I was like tearing up at just like how good it all was and how much fun I was having. And how I was like, yes, like that was the that was the perfect way to do that moment. That was cool. And like oh, this, right? And then the second act, once the AI stuff got going and they just were like, oh, you you just left that line in the script and you went ahead and filmed it. like, And, and just all the talk about like the entity, the only real thing is this conversation we're having right now. We can't trust computers or anything. Anyway, go jump in your self-driving car and get on your laptop and help me not die. Um, and, and then the bridge scene, which we'll talk about, which I am very disappointed about. Um, and then it was like my thesis, antithesis, synthesis, third act self was just sort of the highs were so high and then the lows were so low that I was just kind of fine during the third act when like I should be like jumping out of my seat. It was like the best moments. I was like, that was cool. Like this is a cool action movie I'm seeing in the theater. And then the worst moments where I was just, I was kind of like rolling my eyes and being like, man, we're, we're going way too far here. And then the most surprising thing I could walk out of the theater feeling was like, Oh, it was okay. Like <laughs> for a movie that was like incredible in some places. And then like downright, I cannot believe you, you know, had the bad guy scream the protagonist's name. You know what I mean? Like, are really, really? Yeah. Uh, and then it was all in the same movie. And I walked out being like, well, <laughs> that was a movie with a lot of things in it. And there's a whole second half coming. So I, I have a lot of processing to do, uh, but that's, that's where I am right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that, yeah, that, that summary of, of somehow walking out in such a different state than the highs that you were taken to at various points within the movie. Right. It's definitely something I was feeling too. Yeah. And I think that's the length of the movie and kind of the structural things we can, we can get into as we move forward. Uh, Alex, what about you? Yeah, it's interesting. I, some, at some point in this movie, I was like, is this what Michael felt like during fallout mm -hmm. where it was like, <laughs> wait a minute. I thought this franchise was one thing, but what the hell is this movie doing? Um, and I think maybe going into fallout, I wasn't so invested in the franchise and I got a really like my favorite action movie in years. And so I, I didn't care that it wasn't really a mission impossible movie in the way that Michael was defining it for himself. 
And this one one step one step further for me, where it wasn't even in the Fallout realm. It was now doing like genres I didn't know were allowed in this franchise. Science fiction. Like, yep. full, on, <laughs> full on science fiction. Um, and you know, AI is obviously a massive important topic right now. I think there's a way, there are great ways that a Mission Impossible movie could engage with AI. But so soon, like basically in the opening act of this movie, they established that it is sentient. Mm -hmm. It is. I'm sorry. You mean to say it has a mind of its own? <laughs> yes. Like, <laughs> it went rogue. Like, <laughs> 50s, like sci-fi movie dialogue about this AI. Very simplistic, very kind of cliche. It's not engaging with AI in the way that I would think a Mission Impossible movie would be perfect for, mm -hmm. which would be the geopolitics of AI, not as a supervillain alien Skynet mind. Skynet is the word you're looking Skynet. for. Skynet, <laughs> yeah, mm -hmm. but but as a super weapon that multiple countries, you know, the, the basic premise is here of everybody in the world wants control of the most powerful AI that is, that is in all the systems. The extra step to make the AI have its own will and needs and desires and like <laughs> puppet people that like worship it like a god or something <laughs> like this is not this this is not the same <laughs> so like i just i just i'm really disappointed i guess that i think th these final two big mission impossible movies are rightly so swinging for the fences going for a big finish for the tom cruise ethan hunt arc and ai is a thing in our world right now that is worth reckoning with. Uh, and the sci kind of like cliche sci-fi approach they took to it just really bummed for me really early. And so that was really hard for me to move past. That said, there were so many stretches of the movie that I was enjoying in that fallout way. The whole Rome car chase sequence mm -hmm. was a blast. Uh, I love the new character, Grace. Haley Atwell is great. Um, so there's there's a lot in this movie that I was really enjoying, but I had that kind of sinking feeling pretty early of like, wait a minute, that's not right. <laughs> <laughs> they can't do that, can they? And it's like, no, they did do that. And they're really like doubling down on that as the movie goes on. And it just was, a, frankly, a very strange choice for this franchise, in my opinion. Very interesting. We all saw it together, listeners. And there was this moment where, like, I think this was the only time Alex, you and I looked at each other because we were pretty far apart. But yeah. it was one of those AI lines and we both kind of leaned forward and went, uh oh. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yep. We will, yeah. We'll talk about that. Uh, Trisha, what were your thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> Woo! <laughs> There's so much to say. So much. <laughs> um, I mean, I had a great time in this movie, and I love all the Mission Impossibles, uh, and I did love this one. Um, it is not to my taste, like overall. I'm gonna say, like the things that uh, the latter day Mission Impossibles have leaned into or started putting into the mix this one doubles down on those things and didn't bring back any of the stuff that i wanted mm. except the dutch angles <laughs> which i don't care about in and of themselves <laughs> they didn't come with any of the uh, like it's just like the uh, the act of a, like a de palma you know vibe without any of the like de palma spirit stuff. 
yeah. at the core. Content. Content. Yeah. <laughs> Without any of the actual erotic thriller, spy thriller stuff. Um, mm. These movies, like so many modern day blockbusters, are very sexless. Um, but that's neither here nor there. It's like such an incredible movie that deserves to be celebrated in so, so, so many ways. First and foremost, as an action movie, um, as a very grounded, classic approach to like action filmmaking in a lot of ways. And, you know, up top, we have to say that Tom Cruise's dedication to that aspect of this craft and Chris McQuarrie's as well is incredible. Um, he does not have to risk his life to make movies for us, but he does. Um, and in, in this way, like to, to continually like give us that spectacle feeling sitting in the theater. And listen, I was sitting next to Alex and we were jamming handfuls of popcorn into our mouths and like, (laughs) yeah, in the Rome car chase sequence, like, in fact, like even in some of that, like train sequence, not all of it works for me. There's some great moments in that train sequence. There's some amazing parts of it. Like. There are so many things here that I'm just like, oh, hell yes. But then other aspects that they this movie doubled down on, one of which is the self-seriousness of it all, really rubbed me the wrong way or just isn't to my taste. Like, I like Mission Impossibles when they're a little bit more playful than this, or at least campy. Like... You know, the De Palmas are like this splashy, pulpy, campy thing um, that is kind of trashy in its own way, but doesn't care. And these are like really trying hard not to be seen that way. <laughs> Except um, when they're doing the complete opposite and being like, isn't Mission Impossible a silly franchise? Like, let's make jokes, but well, also we're going to say really serious yeah. science yeah. lines about AI now. <sighs> Well, and I was thinking so much about what Alex said in our last episode where he was like, why do we have to like reference the world apart from this? Like the story world could be self-contained. Like it could just be a different world than our world. It doesn't need to like reference itself from our perspective or like acknowledge itself to the audience of being like silly or whatever. The original Mission Impossible doesn't do any of that. Neither did the TV series, right? Like it just existed in the world of itself and didn't worry about trying to make you believe in the world or something. Um, by, by acknowledging what the ways that it strains credulity. And so those moments really bummed me out. Um, and then also like, the dialogue in the scenes where it was being, where all the exposition was being done. Mm-hmm. I saw it was, I think in Rolling Stone, but anyway, the reviewer said like called those scenes exposition inevitable. And that's really how they feel. Like, it's mm. just like, we're going to, we're going to slog through it. Here's the expository information that you need. And because we're trying to do like style with our mission impossible things it's gonna take twice as long as it really should also right. because we're gonna do these really self-serious dutch angle close-ups on people as though the tension is building um but the tension is maybe not building or it's just building really slowly and i don't know what it's building toward and it's just heavy-handed expository dialogue um and the same with the character work i feel is done sort of you know in this fairly unwieldy way cumbersome Mm-hmm. Um, clunky, yeah. clunky. Yeah, it's all of those things. Uh, and then the the treks into sci-fi really was just like what? <laughs> what? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what? <laughs> I was 
like, it's literally like how. It's how it's yeah, Skynet. Yeah. It's like <laughs> yeah. I was like, uh, okay, <laughs> uh, the, and they just made me laugh. It, like, because I there's no other way to process that as being in a Mission Impossible movie. Then there's that whole scene in the nightclub where it becomes like the Matrix Reloaded for a few minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or John Wick. <laughs> Right. Yeah, where they're just all sitting around sort of talking about like, well, one of the women that you love is going to die. It's yeah. inevitable. I'm like, are you the Merovingian? <laughs> right. <laughs> and like, we can't leave. They won't leave here alive. I'm like, OK, like what? Uh, what are the rules? Like, I don't know. We are two seconds from the entity becoming like a digital face on the screen and like talking to us. <laughs> it has its favorite visualizer that right. it always is yeah. Yeah. everywhere. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> The logic becomes very unsound at a certain point. Uh, I I think literally the only thing, one of the things I said to Alex out loud during the movie was when uh, Gabriel is just walking away from that meeting at the nightclub and Tom Cruise is like going to go after him and get him. But I guess two guys grab him by the arms and, <laughs> yeah, and stop him. then yeah. he can't because... <laughs> right. Two guys right. grabbed him by the arms. They finally figured out how to stop Ethan Hunt. <laughs> <laughs> right. I leaned to Alex. I was like, there's just two guys there. That one looks pretty old. Like, <laughs> but anyway, Gabriel gets out of there just fine. Uh, yeah, there's some, listen, Mission Impossible. It's none of this is like a deal breaker for me. I just want to say like they're bumps. It's bumpy. Uh, did I still have a great time overall? Yes, of course. But it just like some some choices that I don't I didn't see coming. There's a lot of stuff I didn't have on my bingo card here is what I'm mm, going to say. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. And I think I, I I yeah agree with everything that everyone has said here. And so, and so I think so. Yeah. The interesting genre stuff is going to be I want to talk about that. Uh, the dialogue exposition I want to talk about because I think there are clunky things there, but also stuff that I liked about it. Uh, so I want to get into that and the, the things that I think are good there. The AI and the antagonist in general, I think there's a, a mm-hmm. problem happening there. Mm-hmm. So I want to make sure we talk about that. But also, you know, they're, so c- character arcs and how they're handled, I think there's a, a kaleidoscope of different, you know, I think some are good, some are bad. We have new characters, we have departing characters. I'm going to talk about that. Mm-hmm. But also... Again, the action scenes, and especially the first half, were amazing and so, so much fun. Like, I was leaning forward in my seat and grabbing popcorn in a way that rarely happens because I was so into that. And so what happened to to allow this movie to have that, but also have all these other things? I want to get into it. Hope you enjoyed this preview clip. To continue the conversation and listen to the entire episode, Head over to the Beyond the Screenplay Patreon. The link is in the show notes.